On this episode of Long Riders Radio, we're going to talk with John Harrison, scribe for the 2017 Iron Butt Rally. Radio. It's Justin, as always. Uh, hey, for this episode, we're going to talk with John Harrison, and uh, this is something I'm going to really try to do every year with, or every time the Iron Butt Rally is run, at least, so every two years. But uh, is talk to the person who is whoever that may be, who's the scribe, because that's really everyone's kind of window on that rally. And quite frankly, it's a lot of the writers' window on the rally too, because I know when I was sitting in a hotel room at night and I just needed something to. Just kind of take my mind off of uh the day's activities i'd, I'd pull up john's uh john's submission and uh, just kind of take a look and see where everyone was so that that really meant a lot to me uh during the rally so i really appreciated that and uh always think it's interesting to hear from that rally i think they have a very interesting uh perspective on what goes on a couple things i did want to mention uh before we get into the interview uh i've been working with reno john over at the big money rally to get some stickers done up for the big money rally so if you're interested in your very own packet of big money rally stickers you can head to our website longridersradio.com click on the little link that says store and you'll see all the stickers you could ever possibly want it's also a good reminder to everyone if you want a long riders radio sticker those are available there too. I've only got a couple left, uh, so get them while they're get them while they're hot. I may have to do another order here at some point. Another thing I wanted to kind of float is to see if there's any interest out there about doing a Long Riders Radio T-shirt. If there is, I think of what I'll do is just kind of post something on the on the Facebook page and just see what kind of interest there is. If there's enough interest, I think we'll do it. It'll probably be one of those things where it's a pre-order. Uh, yeah pay your money and I'll go get them ordered and then send them out. We'll try to get them out as quick as possible. But uh, let me know if you're interested in that and we'll try to make that happen. Uh, my plan for next episode, uh, my plan is to do my ride report. I still haven't figured out exactly how I'm going to do it. Um, one idea was floated to me of a way to do it. I think that's actually a pretty good idea, but the logistics of it might be a little difficult. So we'll see if that works. But uh, if nothing else, you'll get to hear about my my IBR for the next route for the next uh, episode of Long Riders Radio. So with that, sit back and relax and enjoy this interview with John Harrison. All right. Well, on the line tonight, we have John Harrison, who is the second in our two part series on the Iron Butt Rally staff from 2017. And also the second time we've talked to the Iron, the scribe from the Iron Butt. Uh, John, like I said, was the scribe for the 2017 Iron Butt Rally and probably most people's uh, window on how they saw that and learned about things in that rally. So, John, welcome to Long Riders Radio. Thank you, Justin. And uh, you want to start out by telling telling everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Uh, John Harrison. Uh, I was the scribe for 2017, although I'm not a writer by trade. I'm a senior engineer for a consulting company. Um, I've been a member of the Iron Butt Association since uh, 1996. Um, been a volunteer at all of the Iron Butt rallies except for 2001 and 2011 when I competed in the rally and uh, got 
wife, two kids in college, and don't get to ride nearly as much as I'd like to. All right. So for those of you who are longtime listeners of Long Riders Radio, I'm actually intentionally going to ask John a lot of the same questions that I asked Chris, uh, who was last year's scribe, just because I think it'll be a fun uh, just comparison between the two. So uh, you want to start out by telling us, John, how, how'd you get this job? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think Chris had some other things uh, going on, and um, Lisa had uh, talked with me a few times about the possibility of doing the scribe job, and uh, I don't know. It just um, it just worked out. Uh, I've, I've written for the Iron Butt magazine. Uh, since its inception, uh, and kind of enjoy writing, even though that's not my uh, occupation. And so she gave me a shot, and hopefully it turned out pretty well. I got a lot of good feedback on it, so hopefully everybody enjoyed the uh, uh, Southern Drawl edition of the rally. <laughs> well, I know I, I, I probably shouldn't have been, but... Every night, that was actually kind of like my guilty pleasure of the during the rally was I'd pull up on my phone what what who all was or what what all was happening and uh, it was like oh please not my name not my name not my okay good <laughs> so it was uh, it, it it was a lot of fun for me while riding the rally to read about what was going on with everyone else's uh, rides so when when you're actually doing the writing is it, it must be kind of stressful because you've got a, you've got a deadline that's pretty, pretty set every night, isn't it? Well, I think Mike and Lisa would like for it to be, but I think I violated their deadlines. A few times. <laughs> uh, yeah. So talk about a little bit about how, I mean, what, what's the, the procedure you went through to, to generate the, the report every day? Well, it, it, Justin, it didn't go the way I intended for it to go. Um, my plans going into it in the months prior was, if you recall, I did some sidebars with some additional information and things that was beyond just the daily coverage. And my intention was to actually have uh, to get down to Jacksonville and interview most of the riders and then try to have some bios of the riders to add as sidebars every day um and because that's really never been done before and when you invest the time and effort that it takes to become a rider in the rally i think you should get a mention more than just your name in one place or you know some some past rallies and people have been ridden it and not gotten mentioned at all uh and i think you should be able to get mentioned for more than just screwing up something in the rally <laughs> um but my dad passed away in March, and all of those plans kind of went in the in the trash because yeah. I was having to deal with his estate and that kind of stuff. And between that and my job, and I, I'm a head coach of a local high school mountain biking team also. So between all of those things going on in the spring, it was in the middle of our race season, uh, I, I just couldn't get the, the preparation done. So I really came into it with – with none of the preparation I intended to have. And, uh, so yeah, it was a little bit stressful trying to, uh, to make it work, but I, I just basically took what 
all of you guys that were out riding were giving me and went with that. And it, I think it worked out okay. I ho- hopefully it did, and people enjoyed it. So why, why don't you walk us through, because you had 11 days of this. I mean, as you're talking, I'm like, this is just like a rally. You went into it with a plan, and then the plan didn't work. And so, <laughs> so what, can you walk us through, like, what, what one, of those, one of those 11 days was from the time you get up to the time you're going to bed? What, what are you doing? Because I'm guessing you're probably busy for a good chunk of that writing. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I would usually be up around 4 o'clock in the morning, and would start on whatever I'd left off on at about midnight the night before. And I, you know, stay as close to Lisa Landry as possible because she's getting the, the phone calls in from the riders and has the updates. And um, the, the other helpful thing is all of the call-in bonuses were coming. Uh, I was getting copied on all of that. So I could sit and read all of the call-ins or convert to text, whatever. Anyway, the call-in bonuses um, and, and know what was coming from the riders. And then if she had an emergency call from a rider, I would be pretty close by to to hear what was happening on that phone call. Uh, so that's that would get me most of the information that I needed, and it was just a matter of getting that translated into something that uh, that was readable. And um, so, so about on average, how how much were you how much how, how much were you writing each day? Were you was it like 12 hours of, of pounding stuff out or you just kind of sit down and, and bang it all out at once? Um, I guess the, it, it really varied a little bit, but mostly uh, I would be, I would, I'd probably write for about three hours at a time and take a break and then come back and write some more and then take a break, come back, write some more as information was coming in. Uh, some of what I'd write, I would, kind of can it once something else happened that was, you know, more coverage worthy, I guess you would say. Uh, but for the most part, I guess maybe, um, I don't know, maybe writing eight or nine hours a day, something like that. But uh, you got to understand that I'm, I'm not a writer, so it takes me a while to get things, go back and forth and get things. So I, I'm not a high speed guy when I'm sitting at a keyboard. Yeah. But still, that's a good, good, commitment during the day to be able to write that much so when when you were during the rally itself did you i i i don't remember seeing you in texas but i'm assuming you came down to texas with for the two checkpoints right i did and uh i'll tell you a funny story from the checkpoint down there is um some guys came into the we had a room set up as rally headquarters kind of and had some guys come in and uh they were trying to get a tire plug out there in the parking lot and three people apparently had tried to plug the tire and were unsuccessful. And so they came in looking for some help. So I kind of asked Lisa, would it be outside the boundaries for staff to go plug a tire for somebody? <laughs> and I needed a break. I needed a break from writing right then. So it, it worked out good. I went out there, took me about one minute to get the tire plugged and fixed and ready. And it, I was happy to find out that it made it all the way through the rest of the rally. So, uh, uh, that was kind of nice, but yeah, I was in Texas for both checkpoints, um, and uh, also helped with scoring too. We were we one of the things that I implemented when I ran scoring in the 2015 rally was having um, more scores and more train scores that had passed Tom Austin's class to make sure that we had. Uh, 
a minimal minimal delay for the riders. When when I rode the rally in 2001 and 2011, um, the weights to get checked in were terrible because mm. there wasn't enough staff. It wasn't as organized and, um, you know, you're costing riders sleep and rest time. And that's a valuable commodity during the 11 days of the iron butt rally. So one of my goals in 2015 was to get the riders in and out as quickly as possible and still, uh, maintain the level of accuracy that, you know, Tom Austin or, or this time Jeff Earl's, uh, wanted to see in the scoring and and we successfully did that and I think I had several comments from riders that they appreciated not having to wait so long and uh, compared to especially from veterans that had been in earlier rallies so I, I thought that was a success and it was um, you know just a shout out to all of the volunteers yeah. uh, that, that helped make this happen because without them you know the riders wouldn't get to do any of this stuff. Yeah, I can tell, definitely give you some uh, firsthand all, or, uh, feedback that it was one of the most smooth experiences in terms of scoring that I've ever had in a rally. I mean, I was I was done in about half an hour, both um, all three times. So, I I, I really had a, a very positive experience uh, during scoring. Well, that that credit Justin goes to that credit for that goes to to Tom Austin and the system he set up, and then to Jeff Earls and how he tweak that system to match his rally design yeah. uh, those two guys really made it uh easy for the scores to get things processed and then um then having such confident scores uh i think on the last leg which was a very long leg in the terms in terms of iron butt lower uh we i don't think we had any errors in the auditing of the, of the scores afterwards. So it's a great job by the volunteers. Wow. Yeah. Do you, uh, before you started in on this, did you get any advice from prior scribes on, on what to expect? I did not. Um, uh, I'm pretty good friends with, uh, Bob Higdon. Um, I've, one of my sons is riding one of his motorcycles that I bought from him. And, uh, I've, I've helped him with buying a few bikes and things like that on, uh, getting transported and things like that. And, uh, uh, but we didn't talk before the rally about the, this. And then I, I got a note from Chris after the rally was over that was very nice, uh, very complimentary. And, and he, he just kind of graciously said that he didn't want to get in my head before the rally. So he didn't contact. <laughs> I, I think that was a good thing. I appreciated that because it was, whether he wanted to be there or not, he was in my head, and so was Higdon, and, and so was Warren Harhey, and so was Tom Austin. They were all in my head when I was thinking about this, but uh, I'm certainly not uh, – I'm, I'm certainly don't have the style of writing that any of those guys do. I had to kind of come at it from my viewpoint and, and my history with the Iron Butt Association and, and what, I, you know, what I've learned over the years. So I, I tried to put my own take on it instead of trying to emulate what those guys have done because it wasn't going to happen. I wasn't going to be where they are. So in terms of putting your own take on it, how did you decide what story got in and what story didn't? Because I'm sure there was lots of stuff you could have talked about that you didn't. Well, one thing I wanted that was one of my goals is I wanted to make sure that I mentioned every rider in the rally at some point in the reports. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I believe I did that. Uh, the other thing is I wanted it to be 
I wanted to have enough humor or entertainment in it that people would kind of uh, to break up kind of the stress because a lot of the people watching the rally, uh, watching what's going on with the rally, uh, are family members and friends of the riders and and they can get stressed out thinking about all the stuff on the road. So I wanted to be able to break up some of that stress a little bit. And, uh, and then I wanted to get things out that would give readers a sense of the difficulty level of the rally. So those are basically, I mean, there's more to it than that, but that's really kind of the things I wanted to try to weave into what I was saying to, to give everybody an idea of what the riders were experiencing. Um, and a lot of that came from, what I experienced, especially in uh, in the two rallies that I competed in, um, you know, it's it's one thing to uh, to finish a rally. It's another thing to finish in the top twenty, which I did the first time I ran it, and then it's another thing to finish in the top ten, which I just barely missed being in the top ten the last time I ran it. But it's a whole another level to get to the top five or six positions in the rally. Yeah. And uh, I, I just I wanted to try to convey that to people so that they would have a grasp of what these what you guys were out there doing. Um, so that, that's kind of where it's, what I tried to do. I, I guess you can you can uh, ask other people if I was successful in getting that out there. Or not. <laughs> well, I'll give it. I can only speak for me, but I enjoyed reading them. So in Thank terms you. in terms of uh, I got two questions that kind of go together here or that might, might or may not be related, but how much autonomy did you have to say whatever you wanted to say? And then what percentage of what you wrote actually made it into the final version? Uh, well, I, I had pretty good autonomy. There were, there were a few things, um, I guess that Lisa or Mike overrule me on. Uh, but I'd say, probably 95% of what I wrote and wanted to put into the reports is what came out of it. It was, it was a pretty high percentage of what I wanted to put out there that came through. Mm -hmm. um, there were, uh, part of, part of that is probably because I've read everything that every scribe has written since 1995 <laughs> and had a pretty good idea of what, Mike and, and now Lisa especially consider to be appropriate or acceptable or, or yeah. things like that. So I, I had a pretty good idea of what should be in the report. And, uh, I think that helped me get not a whole lot was left on the cutting room floor, I guess you would say. So did you have anyone helping you just in terms of proofreading or copy editing or things like that? Yeah. Uh, Lisa was the main proofreader and copy editor. Uh, she read everything before it went out. Uh, Jeff Earls also uh, was very helpful with that. And um, and then Mike read a lot of what uh, was written before it went out too uh, and commented on it. But uh, number one was Lisa and then Jeff was a big help too. So they, they were both helpful in catching um, typos and things like that. Yeah. All right. So the question, the, the, the big question of the, that I've been wondering, is it easier to ride this rally or write about this rally? <laughs> uh, this particular rally that Jeff designed, I would have much rather been riding this rally yeah. than writing about it. 
I think I'd probably agree with you there. It was his design for this rally was perfect for my skill set as a as an iron butt rider. Um, I would I would have much rather been out chasing strings and putting mm-hmm. together uh, combinations than than writing about it. But uh, it worked out. So. So without without naming any names, did anyone uh, take issue with anything that you wrote? Yeah, I had. Uh, I had a couple of people that took issue with, with what I wrote, but once, uh, once we went back and looked at it and discussed it and everything, I think, I mean, I, it wasn't over something that, that was in error. They, they may have thought that it was in error at the time, but it wasn't. So, hmm. um, it, it's all good. It's you. I think if, if you, if you write something and nobody takes issue with it, you probably didn't yeah. do a good job. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but no, it's, it's all good. I think. So if you hadn't been the Iron Butt Rally scribe this year, what would you have been doing during the rally? Working. Working on the <laughs> rally or working at your job? <laughs> working at my job. Yeah. Uh, I, we have, uh, it, we've got just a huge project load right now and we've had it. It's been that way for the last probably 18 months. And um, I, I almost, I was close to having to back out from doing the rally this time, just because I wasn't sure that, that I could get the time off work because we were just covered up with everything. But, um, we made some adjustments for that and made it work out. If I, if I'd have been doing something with the rally besides being scribe, I would have probably been running scoring, but, uh, and I, I still helped Jeff a lot with the scoring on managing that and the scores and, and getting the scores lined up to start with, uh, before the rally. So, um, I really enjoyed doing that in 2005 because it is something that makes a direct difference to the riders and uh, helps make the rally, um, I think, more enjoyable for them if the scoring is managed properly. So that's a that was a good fit for me, and and uh, that that would have been where I would have wanted to be if I wasn't doing the scribing. All right. So now that you've gone through it once, if the opportunity came up again, would you do it again? Oh, oh, that's that's the hard question right there. <laughs> um, I think I'll defer an answer to that, and we'll we'll see what happens. Um, right. I've I haven't made any commitments, and I haven't been asked. So there I don't you go. That's a very nice sidestep to that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So on this podcast, we ask every guest the same series of twelve questions. We call them the LD Dozen. Uh, you game to go? Sure. All right. So, first question is, what was your first motorcycle and why? Uh, my first motorcycle was a Honda uh, CL70 that my dad brought home in a box. <laughs> One of the guys at his office had uh, torn it up, broken to some transmission gears in the rear hub, downshifting it from a high speed and dumping the clutch. And gave it to my dad and he brought it home and we bought a climber manual and, uh, he's a pretty good mechanic. He was an aircraft mechanic and, uh, uh, he bought some metric wrenches and a climber manual and we rebuilt that bike. And I, that's how, what I learned to ride on. Nice. All right. Where did you take your first overnight ride? First overnight ride. Um, Hmm. I don't know. Me and some fr- me and friends of mine used to ride a lot when the, 
when I was a teenager, but I'm trying to remember if any of that was overnight. Uh, I guess it'd probably been when I was in college, just taking trips down to the beach and stuff like that. Nice. And you already kind of answered this one, but we'll we'll ask you again. What is your day job? What pays for this long distance riding habit? Uh, I'm a senior civil engineer. Uh, I do kind of large scale. Uh, residential and commercial design, some road design, things like that. Uh, favorite non-motorcycling hobby? Uh, mountain biking. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that I'm <laughs> a I'm the head coach and team director for one of the top mountain bike high school mountain bike teams in the state of Alabama. So nice. I I really enjoy mountain biking and teaching kids. I I both of my sons are Eagle Scouts. I used to be a scout leader. I went, came all the way through scouts with both of my sons on their road to get an eagle and uh once they finished that up we we're looking for something else to do and high school mountain biking came to alabama and so we started up a team at their school and we've been one of the top teams in the state for the last three years very nice all right where or what is your favorite road my favorite road well that that's pretty hard to narrow down um you know million dollar highway in colorado ranks pretty high chirahala skyways one of my favorites, uh, probably, I guess one of my favorites would be Engineer Pass in Colorado. It's not a paved road, but hmm. uh, my sons and I did a, a dual sport trip. We did a two-week dual sport ride through Colorado uh, a couple of years ago, camping and fly fishing. and just There's about a 1,500-mile loop that was 98% dirt, and hmm. we did about 22 mountain passes during those two weeks and just had a blast all together. So that's the, the I'd say dirt roads in Colorado are probably ranking pretty high right now. You know, that's, I, I was just thinking about it. I think you may be the first person in all the people I've interviewed who has given a dirt road as your favorite road. That's awesome. <laughs> well, and, and I'll tell you when I, when I'm doing long distance rallies, I'm always hoping for lots and lots of gravel and dirt road. Cause that's one of my strengths. I've been, Riding dirt bikes since 1973, and I love riding in the dirt. <laughs> You're the exact opposite of me because I I opened that rally book and I the first time I saw something that said gravel, I just cross I deleted it out of base camp, crossed it out, and like I am not going on that. <laughs> so. I'll tell you I'll tell you a story about one of the uh, um, Cape Fear rallies uh, that Jim Bain was putting on. He's he's retired from them now, but great great rallies and. The, the last one that I did, I think, uh, was 2011. And he told us at the start of the rally that there was one particular bonus that was in a cemetery at the end of a dirt road. And with the amount of rain that had been there recently, he didn't recommend anybody try to ride down that dirt road to get that bonus. Um, so naturally, that perked my ears up. And I said, I'm going to go get that one. Okay, it, was, it was on my list anyway of bonuses I was planning to get. So I got to the dirt road. And it was sand, and the rain had packed it down, and it was like riding on the on Daytona Beach when it's just <laughs> packed and you run 200 miles an hour. And I was, I mean, I was riding down this dirt road at 70 miles an hour like it was pavement. It was wonderful. <laughs> no motorcycle tracks visible. Nobody else had gone to the bonus. I get down there. I'm at the cemetery. I'm getting the bonus recorded. I'm about to come out, and I hear another motorcycle coming. And I'm like, great. Who else? would do this and it sounded like a bmw so i said that's got to be ken meese and sure enough ken meese and i were the only two that got that bonus out of that whole rally but he was doing the same thing i was doing he saw that 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 sand was packed and he was just flying <laughs> out really having a blast. 
So we, he and I went back and forth that whole rally, uh, hitting the same bonuses. We pretty much had the same plan. And, um, I, I lost that rally in the first 15 minutes of the rally and didn't realize it until about 30 minutes later. And then I had to kick myself for the entire 24 hours, knowing I had screwed up the start of the rally and was going, it, it was, it's a long story, but uh, it's tough going through a whole rally knowing you just lost yeah. the rally before it started. Gosh. All right. Well, on the flip side of the favorite road, what is your least favorite road? Oh, that'd probably be a tie between Interstate 10 and Interstate 40 and Interstate 80. <laughs> a lot of interstates on get get answered answered with that. Um, yeah. If, oh, go ahead. No, that, just the the terrible condition in some places on those roads, and they just get really boring. So yeah. that that's probably my least favorite places to be on a motorcycle. When you're planning a trip, you use base camp, streets and trips, or paper maps? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All three? Um, yeah, I, I actually do still use paper maps occasionally. I, I enjoy being a, a civil engineer. Uh, you know, maps are a, something I deal with all the time, so I really like paper maps. But uh, I've been using streets and trips back before it was streets and trips when it was auto map pro oh wow and um uh i really really like i plan most of my strip uh, trips initially in streets and trips just because i'm familiar with it and then for you know i've gotten pretty handy with base camp uh thanks to a lot of help from some of the riders on the uh in the iron butt association and on the LD rider list that have you know put out a lot of information about base camp. So I've gotten pretty familiar with that and I use that to load up stuff in the GPS. But I guess if I had to pick one thing, I hate they're not making it anymore, but streets and trips is kind of my go-to. Yeah. All right. If you get a new motorcycle tomorrow, what's the first Farkle you're going to put on it? A seat. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of people will say lights and things like that, but, um, I think the most important thing on for long distance riding anyway is to be comfortable and there are not too many stock bikes that have a seat that's comfortable for doing a 1500 mile day. Yeah. So the, the seat is kind of the first thing I do to a bike. And then after that, probably lights and, um, uh, things like that. So it, it seat be number one. All right. What is your current motorcycle or motorcycles? Um, I've got a 2014, uh, Yamaha Super Tenere and, um, I got, I own two other motorcycles, but my son's claimed them and that's, they're both, uh, 650 V-Strom adventures. Nice. Uh, and we're actually in the process of getting those set up for a uh, trip to Alaska next summer. We're oh, fun. The three of us are, are uh, going to, uh, take about five weeks and ride up to Alaska and go up to, uh, uh, the Yukon and Inu the Northwest Territory to Inuvik and then up to Prudhoe Bay and then sightsee a little bit around Alaska and come back. So, so why the Tenere? Well, that's a good question. Um, I originally was going to add a third V-Strom 650, uh, just because I think they're great motorcycles. They're they're amazing what you, all of the different things you can do, and they're very light for what you can do on them. Um, 
And But my wife is talking about possibly wanting to fly up to Anchorage and ride part of the trip with us. And two up with luggage on a 650 in the mountains <laughs> is not exactly my idea of fun. No. So I found the deal on the on the Super Tenere, and it's uh, – I had a – I've probably owned about 47 or 48 motorcycles in my life, I guess. And one of my favorites was a 2002 1150GS BMW that I had. Um, and I've ridden some some of the later model BMWs, but as we see in every Iron Butt Rally, BMW's reliability is not what it could be. And uh, the Super Tenere, when I, I rode one of them, and it was uh, – in. in my way of riding is just as good if not better than a gs and it was much less expensive and they're about as reliable as a brick so um i've been really really pleased with my super tenere all right so you mentioned that the first sparkle you're going to get on your new motorcycle seat who make your current seat i've got a sergeant on there sergeant is is my second choice in a seat um, for iron butt riding, a Russell day long is the only choice, really, if you're going to do the iron butt rally, in my opinion. Uh, Russell day long is that's what I've had on all of my iron butt bikes. Uh, I went with the sergeant instead of the super tenor uh, on the super tenor instead of a Russell because uh, I do a s- more significant portion of off pavement riding with the super tenere and I would say on my ST 1300 or one of my BMWs or something like that. So, uh, I, I prefer the Sergeant when there's going to be a need to maybe dab in the dirt or mud or something like that. It's easier to, to get around on the bike yeah. compared to what the Russell is. Well, that's, I, I had a Sergeant on my, I, I used to have a GS before I got the FJR and I had a Sergeant on there and it was great. It was, it, I mean, it was very comfortable and uh the one for the fjr didn't and it just didn't feel quite right to me so i went with the the russell Daylong, which i'm very glad that i did but uh yeah they make a good seat yeah they do i i, I refer to the sergeant seats as kind of a 800 mile a day seat yeah and a russell a russell is an 1800 mile a day seat <laughs> without without having to squirm yeah all right, what is the your favorite or your most interesting location you visited on your motorcycle? Mm. Well, I've been a lot of places. I've been to 49 of the 50 states and most of the Canadian provinces on my bike. Uh, the, the trip to Denali, Alaska during the 2001 Iron Butt Rally mm. was probably the most one of the most memorable things that i've ever done and that's uh that's a big part of why my sons want to ride to alaska with me next summer is they've been hearing their whole life about how cool it was to ride a motorcycle to alaska uh during the iron Butt rally so uh take them up to see some of the things i saw during the rally and to to see things that i wanted to see and didn't have time to go see during the rally is is the kind of the genesis of the trip we're going to take next summer very fun. Very fun. All right. Last question in the LD Dozen. How do you pass the time on a long ride? Do you listen to music, audiobooks, stare at the flowers? What you doing? That's also an interesting question, Justin. It, it's really changed over the years. Uh, you know, when I was, when I was doing long-distance riding in the early 2000s, uh, 
had a CD changer in the trunk <laughs> and listened listened to a lot of music. Uh, and then I changed over to a MP3 player and and um, satellite music and that kind of stuff. But I really lately um, I don't I really don't need to listen to music past time. I'm pretty good. I, I think long distance riders in general have to be pretty comfortable within their own heads or they wouldn't, or within their own skin, however you want to phrase that. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty comfortable with just my thoughts and seeing the scenery and thinking about where I am and the history of around me on the places I'm riding through and those kind of things. That's that's pretty pretty entertaining, I guess, for me to, to be with my thoughts. And then uh, a lot of times now when I'm riding, my sons will be with me and we'll have, we've got the Cena system so that we can communicate with each other. So you know, I'll find myself telling them about the history of this place or that place and uh, what the significance of it is. And uh, it's just, I, I really don't listen to music too much anymore nice. during the ride. Yeah. All right. Well, you have completed the LD Dozen. Anything uh, else you want to talk about before I let you go? Uh, no, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to, to talk with you. Um, I, I will add that... Uh, uh, I mentioned a lot about the volunteers for the rally uh, and how important they are. I, I think you, it also is worth saying that, um, you know, Mike turned this rally over to Lisa to let her do however she, do it however she wanted to a few years ago. And um, I, I don't, I'm not sure that riders really give as much credit to her as they should. She really um, – is the heart and soul of this rally and how, and she's the person that makes it happen. And, uh, I think it would not be the, the fun and the challenge that it is if she wasn't putting, uh, putting everything together and making everything happen for the riders on a day to day basis. I also add that, um, the riders that listened to her advice when they called in with problems, fared much better than those that did not <laughs> listen to her advice. So for future reference, if somebody's listening to this planning to apply for the rally for uh, 2019, I would, the first thing you need to put on your list is to listen to Lisa. Yeah. Well, I can tell you it's, I mean, it was just bar none, the most professional rally I've ever, I've ever done. I mean, it was just, everything was just done. I mean, that extra little bit that's like, Oh wow, this is just a little bit, little bit better. And, uh, it, it was a really, really fun experience for me. I had a great time on the rally and I, I, if, if I don't, if I don't do it again next year, it won't be because of the way the rally was run. It'll be some other reason, but it was first class all the way. And I, uh, I was so happy with, with how it all turned out for me. Well, good. That's what, that's what we'd like to hear everybody say when they come yeah. out of the rally. That's great. All right. Well, hey, that's John Harrison. He was the scribe for the 2017 Iron Butt Rally. John, thanks for coming on Long Riders Radio. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate it. Well, if you'd like to get in contact with me, there's lots of ways you can do it. Easiest way is to head over to that website, www.longridersradio.com. And as always, we need to thank this show's founder, Mr. Michael Cox. So I was talking to Mike the other day, and apparently he's getting into this like dramatic poetry reading. Who, who would have thought with Mike, right? But I asked him how the first one went, and he said, Well, it, it, Justin, it didn't go the way I intended for it to go. Right safe, everyone. <laughs>